Um, if you would turn with me in your Bible, um, if you have it, you can turn, you can click, um, however you get there. But if you would go to Matthew chapter one, and if you're a professional and you know how to use your Bible and you know the old school way, well, I don't know. I'm just curious, how many people have a real Bible? Just, oh, wow, I love y'all. <laughs> y'all are my favorite. <laughs> so old school, you turn to Matthew 1 and then you, you put your marker, right? If you guys remember this, you put your marker at Ephesians chapter 3. So Matthew chapter 1 and then you can put a marker or a finger at Ephesians uh, chapter 3. And we'll get there in just a minute. And, and to be honest, I really, um, I don't really have, uh, even for me, I don't even have a normal message. Uh, I know it's the holidays. I know everybody's busy. I know you got something you got to be at in two hours or something you got to be at in six hours. And, um, and I understand that and all the things that, that go with, with the holidays. Um, you know, someone asked us one time, they asked, in fact, I was having this conversation with someone, they, because a lot of churches have a lot of events. Now, I'm not against churches having a lot of events. I think that's wonderful. Um, but, you know, we typically don't do a Christmas Eve service. It's not because I'm the Grinch. I love Christmas more than anybody, right? Like, I am a North Pole elf. And, um, but one of the reasons I don't do it is not because they're not special or it's not wonderful or all that. But uh, quite frankly, I like to have the holidays to actually be with my kids. And I like for the staff to actually be with their families. And so when we do a lot of things, they all have to work. And uh, so there are, they are wonderful and there's benefit that come out of it. And we've done things like that in the past, but we really leave that up to the Holy Spirit. And I always say, you know, God, if you want us to do this, I will do it. But I'm not going to do it just because it's Christmas. I'm not going to do it just because of this or that. It's just kind of like we don't have uh, one of those church Halloween fests. You know, y'all know what I'm saying, where we change the name, make it holy, you know, um, uh, Harvest Festival. And, uh, and I'm not against those. I've taken my kids to those in the past, not against them at all. Uh, we just never have done one because I just would rather go hang out with my kids, quite frankly. Um, and so uh, anyway, so I'm not always on time with the usual church stuff. But I do have um, just honestly some things. I just want to share some things with you, and then I really want to pray for you. That's really what I want to do. Um, and uh, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. And um, there are a couple, um, well, let me say this. I'll say this. So um, this would be a great start to the message. I'm making it up as I go anyways. I don't even have an outline. We're just going to, I'm just going to say some things. Um, but uh, we have, how many have Christmas traditions? Like you have... Like, my kids are really big. Man, I, re I really would have thought there were more. I think some of you have Christmas traditions, and you don't know that you have Christmas traditions. Uh, how many eat food on Christmas? That's a tradition. Okay, how many buy gifts and open gifts on Christmas? See, y'all just don't know how to play. Half of you don't buy gifts? How many of you will not raise your hand no matter what I say? You're like, I don't care, preacher. You will not get me. I was raised missionary Baptist, and I'm not about to raise a hand in church. Oh, we, I had a friend that attended our church one time. He was raised missionary Baptist. He's like, wow, that was wild. <laughs> People were clapping. He said, we had a pastor fired because he clapped in church. I was like, Wow. I'd really get fired if <laughs> you listen to one of my messages. Anyways, um, but we have our family. We have 
uh, a lot of Christmas traditions. We go all, every year, we look at Christmas lights. That's one of them. Uh, every year, we've done this since the kids were little. We take them, they buy an ornament and uh, whatever they're interested in that year. Um, and so they buy a special ornament every year that goes uh, on the on the tree. I mean, we just oh, we make we make certain food. Anybody make certain foods? Like we make these we make buckeyes. It's what most people know them as buckeyes. We've all always called them peanut butter balls. Uh, the reason is because we typically completely submerge them in chocolate. So if you really make a buckeye, you dip it and you can kind of see the peanut butter on the top and the chocolate. Are, are y'all aware of this? This is theologically very important. Like we cannot get to the message if y'all don't understand Buckeyes, okay? And so there's there's foods that we make, there's different movies that we watch, um, but one of the traditions that we have is on Black Friday. I don't believe in shopping on Black Friday. Um, it's not not because I think it's sinful, just because I always think it's amazing that yesterday we were grateful for everything we had. Today, I will slit your throat for a pair of Lululemon yoga pants. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, like, you know, it's like, ma'am, I'm so, so sorry. Like, uh, it's very important to you. I can see that. Um, so um, I don't know why Lululemon yoga pants. Anyways, um, I don't wear Lululemon yoga pants. Anyways, um, uh, so if you're here and you're a guy and you wear Lululemon, I will say that like, I feel fabrics. They're amazing. I just can't bring myself to spend that much money for a pair of joggers. But anyways, um, how <laughs> we get on this? Uh, Should have wrote an outline. Anyways, um, <laughs> but, um, but on, on uh, Black Friday is I get all the Christmas stuff out, and we Christmasify the house, right? We put up the tree. We put the ornaments on the tree. And there's one movie that we watch when we decorate the tree, and it is the movie Elf. Has anybody watched Elf at all? I don't care about your theology about Elf right now, so if this offends you that I watch Elf, I, I don't care. Um, and so, I mean, I love you, but, you know, you got to get over that. Anyways, um, but I think it's just the genius of the comedy of the movie. Um, and it just, it, and I can almost quote, there are several Christmas movies that I can pretty much quote uh, from from start to finish. And um, and I love the movie because, you know, after he travels through the seven layers of the candy cane forest and through the sea of twirly, twirly, twirly gumdrops and through the Lincoln Tunnel, he gets into this magical place called New York City. And then he gets thrown out of his dad's, if you've seen the movie, Elf. Um, he was a human raised by elves. Anyways, he gets thrown out of his dad's office building, ends up in Gimbel's. And all you need to know is it's an elf in New York City. It's a man who was raised by elves. Perfect sense this movie makes. Anyways, but I love the scene where he's in Gimbel's and um, the, manage, the manager says, you know, hey, everybody, big announcement. Tomorrow, 10 a.m., Santa's coming, and Will Ferrell, the elf, loses his buddy, the elf, loses, ah, Santa's coming. He's like grabbing the guy, I know him. I know him. As crazy as all that sounds, that's actually what I want to talk to you about today, uh, not knowing Santa, uh, but I just simply called this message knowing God, knowing God, like, hey, 2,000 years ago, God came. I know him, but do you? Do you know him? Like, do you, do you 
Do you know him? There's a couple of, of scriptures that I actually pray for you pretty much every day. Um, one of them is from Jeremiah 24. I started praying this one over my kids years ago. Um, but it's talking about the redemption of Israel. And it says, when I bring them back, I'm going to give them a heart to know me. And I just thought, what, what a great prayer to pray over your kids. Like, God, give them a heart to know you. And, uh, and so, I don't know, a few years ago, I thought, man, if I pray this over my kids, I should pray this over our church. Like, God, give the people of our church just a heart to know you. Um, the other prayer I pray over you is from Ephesians uh, chapter 1. And it's where Paul says, open the eyes of their heart that they would know what is the hope that they're called to and what is the glorious riches of the inheritance that they have and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them who believe. So it's another, you know, for me, I'm like, wow, it's prayers in the Bible. It's what Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus. And, uh, and so I just thought, I'll, I'll pray that for y'all. What a great prayer to pray for y'all that God, you know, give us revelation. Open our eyes to see you know, the hope that we're called to. I think in this world, you know, you can't see hope with physical eyes. Hope has to be seen with the heart. Um, um, but, but really, the, I guess what those prayers are aimed at, better maybe seen from Jeremiah 24, is that I just want you to know God. Like, I want you to, to know Him. And um, to me, that's really what Christmas is all about. And, and so with that, we're going to, Go to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read almost the same passage that I read last week. Um, I'm just going to add two verses to it. But um, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And we talked about that. If you didn't see that last week, you can catch it online. But we talked about that his name means something. It means that he's a savior. It means the God who saves, or God is my salvation, and um, that when, when uh, that verse that we need a Savior implies we can't save ourselves. <laughs> well, really it implies, number one, we're drowning. We talked about that. We're dying. Um, we can't save ourselves. We, we need a Savior. And then I want to go on to verse 22. It says, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin will be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So let me pray for us. Father, I just pray that everything would be about you. And God, as we make space for you right now, uh, that you would speak. And um, God, that you would open our eyes, that you give us a heart to know you. <laughs> um, God, that we would know the hope we're called to. We would know the inheritance we have. We'd know the power that works in us, God. We want to know you. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Behold, a virgin will be with child, and you'll call his name. This will be a sign. You'll call his name. This actually um, comes from Isaiah. It's a, it's a quotation from Isaiah chapter 7. 
And um, interesting enough, just in case you're wondering, uh, there's this king, King Ahaz, and uh, the king of Syria is attacking God's people. And so King Ahaz is their king. And um, Isaiah comes to him essentially to say, you know, don't bow down to the king. Don't surrender. Um, but God is going to give you victory. And, and, and he essentially says, uh, here, this is going to be a sign to you. This is a sign. Uh, you're going to, you know, this, this virgin is going to conceive and have a child. And, and we're going to call him Emmanuel because it's going to be God with us. The problem was King Ahaz had, had kind of made a behind the kind of a backdoor kind of under the table deal with the king of Syria, basically saying, hey, if you'll, if you'll spare my life and, and make sure I get to live a good life, I'm going to sell God's people to you, essentially. And so King Ahaz refuses to trust the sign. Some people thought Isaiah, it was this prophecy was talking about Isaiah's wife conceiving. That's not really it at all um, because she had already, she wasn't a virgin. She had already had a child. Um, this is definitely a messianic prophecy pointing to the birth of Jesus. And a lot of people say, well, how is, you know, essentially the prophecy was given 740 years before Jesus was born. How is prophesying the birth of Jesus, which isn't going to happen 740 years from now, how is that assigned to this king who's actually doing an underhanded deal, who's betraying the people of God? And really the sign, you know, essentially to them, to him, you know, is the same sign to us. What, what God was saying essentially is the Messiah hasn't been born, so you're safe. I'm not going to allow Israel to be snuffed out. I'm not going to allow my people to be destroyed because I'm working. It's really essentially the same sign for us that God's like, no, the promise is that I am with you. Therefore, be not dismayed. You know, as the Bible says, don't be afraid. Why? You're not going to be snuffed out. You're not going to be destroyed. Why? Because I'm still working. Um, but, but he gives this name, Emmanuel, which we all know means God with us. And, um, and that was really what stuck with me is, wow, this, this time of year, this season, Christmas, um, is about God coming to, to us. Um, you, you could say it this way, when you think about Christmas and what is it about, you could put it this way, that God became knowable. That God became knowable. Um, I, I experienced this, this crazy thing. If you've had kids, maybe you had a similar experience. But I remember when Luke, my firstborn, was born, um, I had this really weird feeling. And it was, it was a, to be honest, it was a feeling of vulnerability. I'm kind of a big guy. You know, I don't know if I'm tough, but, you know, I'm tougher than some. Probably not as tough as other people, you know. Um, but, you know, I'm a guy, you know. And you consider yourself tough when you're a guy, you know. And, um, and I remember this feeling of vulnerability when Luke was born because when, when I held him for the first time, I had this experience of like, wow, my heart is on the outside of my chest. Like, you know, you can't really be prepared to be a parent necessarily because there's just these crazy emotions and things and, you know, that, you know, it's like when you're growing up, your parents say, someday <laughs> when you're a parent, I've had these talks with my kids, one of these days, if God is just, he is going to give you a child like you. <laughs> but, but his, his heart was outside of his chest. 
or my, it felt like my heart was outside of my chest. And, and, and I think that's exactly what we see in the coming of Christ at Christmas is that God is saying, hey, I, I want you to know me. So I'm going to take my heart outside of my chest and I'm going to send it to your planet and wrap it in your flesh so that you can know me. So that you can actually, I want you to know me. And I thought about it because of Christmas, and I just wrote this down. Um, but I thought about in this, number one, God became visible to us. Like, like we, we know what he looks like now. Because, in fact, Colossians 1.15 says Jesus is the image. He's the visible image of an invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Like in Jesus, I, 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 all of a sudden I know what God looks like. Um, when, when Philip is talking to Jesus, Philip says something. He's like, well, show us the Father then. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Like, I, I really, it's interesting, but when, when you read the Bible, Jesus, you know, we have a lot of theologies today. Man, you can get on YouTube and you can find a theology, which is a, a study of God, a way of believing. You can find that covering a vast array of ideas, some of it as crazy as I've ever heard. But one thing I know is true, and one measuring stick you have for all theology is that Jesus is always perfect theology. If I want to know what God looks like, I look at Jesus. If I want to know how God interacts with creation, I can look at Jesus. If I want to know what God's concerned about, I can look at Jesus. If I want to know how God loves, how God talks, how God you know, thinks, I can look at Jesus. He, he is perfect theology because he is the express image of the person of God. And with God sending Jesus at this time, at Christmas time, 2,000 years ago, essentially God became visible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning. It was God. In other words, in the beginning, Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. And it said, and then the word, Jesus, became flesh. And God became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So we could behold his glory as of the only begotten. So we could see it. He, he, became, like, he became visible to us. He, he, he became hearable. Like, he became hearable to us. I, I don't know if you thought about this, but... Um, There's a verse in Hebrews, is that right? Yeah, Hebrews chapter 1. Do you all have that verse? It's not on my outline, so apparently my outline didn't update. Yeah, God who at various times in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. So do you see that? At various times, various ways he spoke, but how do you speak? By the prophets. But now in these last days, he has spoken to all of us. By his son. Like, I now know what God sounds like. Like, I, I, can, I can hear him. He, he, John said this way, if you know God, then you hear God. Jesus said, you, you are, we're sheep, and so we hear the voice of our shepherd. We hear the voice of our father. So God became seeable, visible. God became hearable. God became touchable. 
I, I love this, um, Matthew 8, verse 1. It says, when he came down from the mountain, this is Jesus, when he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. I, I think sometimes we read over things like, yeah, I've read that before. No, I want you to think about it in the context. God became flesh. And God reached out and touched this leper. This leper knew what it was like to be touched by God. And it says immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Do you know what else is crazy about this passage or this story, this encounter? Is that um, according to the law, you can't touch a leper. Um, because what the law said is if you are clean and you touch what is unclean, you become unclean. So by under the law, we could never touch what is clean and what is clean could never touch us under the law. We are all unclean, stained with sin. Are you with me? Like under the law, we can't see God. We can't hear God. We certainly cannot touch God. I mean, you, you think about this. Remember when they were moving the ark, David's trying to bring the ark back to Jerusalem after the Philistines had con conquered and, and stolen the ark. He's bringing the ark back, and they're carrying the ark on a cart, and there's a whole story about why that was the wrong way to carry it. But, but the ark shifts, and there's a guy named Uzzah who was afraid the ark's going to fall and so he just reaches out to steady the ark, which represents the presence of God, to keep it from being destroyed. And when he does that, he is killed. Why? The unclean cannot touch the clean under the law. But here is grace personified. Here is the actual heart of God. See, the law is the standard of God. Grace is the heart of God. And so here is the heart of God in flesh. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And the leper comes and says, I am unclean and I am diseased. And Jesus does the unthinkable, which is he touches him. Because under the law, now listen, under the law, if the clean touches the unclean, the clean becomes unclean. But under grace, after God stepped on this earth, if the clean touches the unclean, the unclean becomes clean. Like, like God became touchable, visible, hearable, touchable. In Ephesians chapter 3, it talks about this, this, Paul's talking again to the Ephesians, and it talks about knowing God, like Christmas. God became knowable. I just want to read this and because it's, to me it's just incredible. It's for this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family and earth and heaven is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit and the inner man, 
that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I'm going to talk about that phrase because this is an incredible phrase. Why? So that you would be filled with the fullness of with the fullness of God. Like Paul's heart, like we, we already talked about Ephesians where he says, hey, I, I just pray your eyes would be open so you would be able to know. There's some things I want you to know. And namely, there's a person that I want you to know. And that's kind of my heart today. It's like when I was reading this text, this verse in Ephesians, I knew it was there and I went and looked at it. It's not really a Christmas verse. I get it, but yet it kind of is because it's talking about knowing God. It's talking about the fact that you can know God. It's talking about how you can know God. Like to me, th this was the, the aim. The aim of this season is that we, we serve a God. It's, it's crazy to me if you think about, if you think about all the, the religions of the world, like all the religions of the world, um, they kind of have some similarities. Like typically they have a, a spokesperson, right? Maybe they call him a prophet you know, the Buddha, um, you know, Muhammad, what, whatever it would be. They have a prophet. And the prophet essentially tells you about someone you can't know. But he tells you what you need to do to make that deity happy with you in hopes that if you do enough now, there'll be a reward then, but you really won't know till the end. Like that's essentially the components of a religion. There's a spokesperson that tells you about someone you can't intimately know, but you learn about them enough to try to please them in hopes that if you please them, in the end, they reward you. This is why Christianity is not, nor has it ever been, nor will it ever be a religion. Because in Christianity, Christianity, the the, the, the the great spirit in the sky didn't send a prophet. He came himself. He came and didn't say, do these things. He came and said, know me. He came and said, see me. Hear me. Let he who has ears, let him see me. Hear me. Touch me. I love what Thomas, Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe Jesus is the son of God unless I can touch the scars and the nail prints in his hands. And Jesus shows up not with angst, not angry, not like, bro, why are you doubting me? He shows up and says, touch me. See that this is me. The reason I came was I wanted you to know me. So touch me, look at me, hug me. I'm right here. Hear me. See me. That's why it's different than any other belief system. And so here, here Paul is like, hey, guys, I need you to know a few things. Like I'm praying for you. I'm writing this letter to you. But I need you to know, number one, what the goal is. Like I need you to know what the goal is. And here is the goal, that you would be filled with the fullness of God. Now, I want you to think about it. Time out. Because I want to ask this question. What is your measuring stick? 
When you talk about your faith or your relationship with God, can I just ask you, what is your measuring stick? Because Paul tells us what it should be. Paul tells us what, what the, the end game, come on, Marvel fans, what the end game really is. <laughs> Paul tells us what we're really shooting for is to be filled with the fullness of God. Not, not to have a form of religiosity. Not, not to have a, a, you know, a season of church attendance. Like, like not, not even to know about the deity we profess to have faith in. There, there is a great difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. Um, I'm at a disadvantage a lot of times. This is kind of a funny story, but at a disadvantage. And the reason is because I speak here. And, and while, you know, if you get two or three miles from here, no one even knows where I am. But there are people in, in our community, like this last week, I met several people that they're like, oh, you know, you don't know me, but I watch you every weekend. I had a lady come up to me and said, hey, are you, you know, Pastor Marty? Yep, yeah, that's me. And she said, oh my gosh, I got to tell my sister. My sister lives in some place, and, and I can't remember the name of the city, but she watches you all the time, and I'll have to tell her that I got, got to meet you. And so I'm a little bit of disadvantage because people may, you know, potentially in this area could know me that I don't know them. But what is really, what has led to more funny moments than not is, um, is that because I talk so much, like I talk about my kids, and I share stories about my life, and People, people know details about me, and I've had encounters with people to where because they knew details about my life, it was like we were best friends, but I didn't know them at all. I had someone give me a nickname one time that I didn't know. And, and I like, I'll roll with it. Like, I don't care. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'll roll with it. But it, I've had some funny moments where people will talk about details of my life. Like we in the family together, you know, like they, like they were there for dinner the other night, you know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes I'm like, I think, and here's the thing, I, I think you've confused where our relationship is because you know stuff about me you think we have a level of intimacy that we don't have. And my concern is that there's a lot of people in church today that have confused what it means to know God because they think because they have a level or an understanding or they know some information. And they know about God and they know, well, this is, hey, the wise men came from the east and the shepherds came out and baby Jesus was born in a manger. And so because I know about his birth and because I know about him coming to earth, I've made the mistake maybe of actually thinking that we're intimate, that I really know him. Like, like I was thinking about this, I was thinking like when you know someone, like do you know what makes God smile? Do you know what makes God laugh? Do you know what makes God cry? H have you ever, have you ever like, like gone to prayer time not, not to appease God so he'll give you what you want, but gone and said, God, how's your day going today? Because we're in a relationship, because you wanted to be known, 
And, and a person who wants to be known wants to be known every day and every moment, not just known about. And, and so what would it be like to have, I, I remember um, there are times, it's so funny, because there are times, I'll tell you, there are times, like I have prayer time that I, I set aside and, and, um, and, uh, and, and because, you know, you, you want to pray. Like, you know, I mean, some might even say, well, your job is to pray. And I don't really see it that way um, because that will totally mess with your head. And so, no, 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 my, my, uh, my, uh, my heart is just to know God. Everything else I do just comes out of that. Like this message didn't come because I, I, I can write a better message than this one, honestly. I can write a more impressive message than this one. This message didn't come because I, it's my job. And it didn't come because I had prayer time. It came because I sat with God and I thought, I want them to know you the way I know you. I want them to know you the way, because I went, you know, somebody was asking me the other day, I was eating lunch with a friend. And, he, and we were talking, he's like, what, what does your message prep look like? I said, oh, man, I don't know. And, and he said, why? I, like, what, what do you mean? Because a lot of pastors kind of have a, you know, they kind of have a way. And I said, I have, like, ways I do things. There's ways I research. There's ways I read. I said, but um, the way I do message prep is um, <laughs> I'm getting a message from a friend to give it to friends. So really, all I need to do is sit down and talk with my friend about what he'd like my other friends to know. And I said, so in doing that, I only really care about what's on the heart of my friend. I don't care about what is impressive or would make me look good or even what I want to say. Now, I do work some things that I want to say in. If y'all been here a while, you realize that. And I think he's okay with that. I think he's so far. You sometimes can't separate the message. It comes through the messenger, you know what I'm... Anyways, but the point is, and, and I said, like, you know, I said, like, this week, and I was telling him, I said, this week, when, when I want to get ready for the message, I said, I don't sit down to write a message. I go sit down with a friend, and then I go sit down and try to write the message. And I said, so I actually sat down behind a keyboard for about an hour, and I just worshiped, because I felt like, that was what was appropriate. In the, that's not how I prepare every message. But that just seemed to be where my friend was. Like my friend seemed to be over in the worship world. So I just went over there because I just want to know him. If I know him, I'll have plenty to tell you. If I know what's on his heart, I'll be able to talk to yours. And, and so my thought was, like, I, I, want, I, I want you to know him. And I want to make sure this first caution is to make sure that you haven't confused knowing about him with knowing him. Because I've had those moments where I set aside, I'm like, man, I'm going to pray. Man, I'm going to pray. Like, I got some stuff I got to pray about. And I would get in there, it's like all I, I would get into that time or whatever and sit down, and, and it was like all I could do was maybe worship. Maybe all I could do is kind of sit and listen. And I'm like, this was not how this time was supposed to be spent. But the goal wasn't just to say I had prayed. The goal was to know him. Like prayer is not an activity whereby I appease God. Prayer is an opportunity through which I know him. 
And I'm just wondering when it comes to like even your Christian disciplines, what is the end? Is the end of your Bible reading, is the end of it posting on Instagram so we know you read your Bible? And I'm not against people posting scriptures on Instagram. Bless us with what you've heard today. It's fine. I do the same thing. But I'm just saying, like, if the go, I remember I was talking to one of my kids, and um, I won't say which one because it would probably embarrass them, and, and I love them, so I'm not going not gonna to say. But one of them. I have three, so you have a 33% chance of getting it right. <laughs> but, but one of them was talking to me about their Bible reading, and they said they had fallen behind in their Bible reading. We all know what that's like. And they were trying to catch up. So they're just reading, 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 reading. And they said, Dad, I'm struggling because it's becoming, um, it's becoming laborious. Uh, it, it's, it's becoming, you know, this thing that I just have to do. And I, I don't feel connected to God in it. Do you have counsel? And I said, yes, I do. I said, we never read the Bible to read the Bible. We read the Bible to know the author. The goal is not to read the Bible. The goal is to know the author. Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scripture because you think you're going to find life in them. I am the one that gives you life. And the scriptures point to me. Like the, the goal of scripture is to know him. So like the end of all these things that we do, my concern is in our life with our spiritual disciplines and our church attendance and our prayer time and approaching worship is are we approaching all of those things to know him or are they just good things to do? Uh, we want to appease him. We want him to be happy. We want him to bless us. We don't want him to be mad. I mean, how many times have we been driven to reading the Bible or driven to a church meeting or a prayer meeting or, or a worship experience. And how many times have we been driven to that by guilt? Because if we were driven to it by guilt, I'm not saying it's bad. I think you should, anything that drives you to God is good, but I'm just saying, was it about knowing him or about cleaning up your conscience? And I mean, he wants to do that for us. Don't get me wrong. I don't feel condemnation. I'm just saying, see how easy it is to make this about us and not about him. See how easy it is to confuse the fact that I know some information about him, to, to, to confuse that with I have a level of intimacy with him. Because what, what, what Paul is saying here is he's like, hey, hey, the goal, right? The goal is not like, well, I prayed a prayer. I joined a church. Um, you know, I'm on my way to heaven. I got my, this, this one dry. Can I just be honest? This is the, the, the analogy of salvation that makes me want to vomit more than any. Well, I've got my ticket punched to heaven. Really? Is that all we're doing here? Is that what this is about? Like Christmas was, so you could get a bus pass. And what's implied in that is that that's the end. You've done all that there is because you got your ticket punched to heaven. So you just sit around on your blessed assurance and wait for Jesus to come driving the greyhound down to get you? No, because when we're called into relationship, it changes all of our life. It changes all of our priorities. It changes everything about us. It changes our dreams. It changes our pursuits. It changes how we live in the now. It changes how we plan for the future. Like we were called into a relationship, not into a religion. And the goal then every day is to actually know him. Amen. Not to have a form of religion whereby we 
have a place of belonging and escape eternal damnation if that's our goal. No, the, the, the goal, like what is the goal? He said, so what Paul said, here's the goal, that you be filled with the fullness. My question is when you're measuring your relationship with God, is that your standard? Am I filled to the fullness with God? Because he said, knowing him leads to the fullness, being filled with the fullness of God. And so this had, oh, okay, so the goal is that I be filled with the fullness of God. And, and the way that I get there is I, the only way to be filled with the fullness of God is to know him. And the more I know him, the more I'm filled with him. Like, like Paul's like, this, this is what the aim is. And then he says, to, to do this, you're going to need some help. Because what he said is that you have to be strengthened in your inner man. So, so now we're talking about something that's, you know, that, that's, that's spiritual in, in nature and not just cerebral, not physical, not ethereal, but spiritual. Because, because he's like, hey, he's like, you have to be strengthened in your inner man. It, it's incredible because what we now know is that, that knowing God now comes through relationship, but in particular, relationship with the Holy Spirit who has known the mind of God except the Spirit of God. And we have the Spirit of God. What, what's Paul saying? We can know the mind. Did you know you could actually know what God's thinking? Because how many of us have sat around at some point in our lives thinking, I don't know what he's thinking? <laughs> Right? Right? I would ask about men sitting around women and saying, I don't know what they're... But I don't want to cause any problems today. But I'm just saying, here's what he says. He says, you have to be strengthened. And so here's the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit then is to help us know God. Like the Holy Spirit, he is God like, who is in us. He is God who is, is with us. He is God who is all around us. But, but he said, you have to be strengthened. Now, here's, here's the great thing. What he's saying then, when you have to be strengthened in your inner man, like if you want to know God, you have to be strengthened in your inner man. Think about this. Here's what he's saying. You have everything you need to know God. It just needs to be strengthened. You're not lacking an ability to hear him. You're not lacking the, the things that you need, if you will, the capacity to hear him. You're not lacking the capacity to know him. You're not lacking the capacity to touch him. You have it. It's just got to be strengthened. That what the Holy Spirit does then is he comes to strengthen the senses that we have spiritually that help us discern and know God. Like the role of the Holy Spirit. It, Jesus said, he's going to take what is mine and declare it to you. That the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I've come like, like the best friend of the, the friend you want to know. I've come to help you know them. I've come to help you know God. Like, I've come to declare some things to you about him, to show you who he is, to make sure you can sense and touch and hear and see him. Like, I have come, and you have 
all the capability inside of you supernaturally to know him. And I've come to help strengthen that part of you so that you can actually know him. What I love about this verse probably is I just like words sometimes and how like I like I like tension. Like in the Bible it's full of tension and there are phrases that that have tension in them. But I like this I like this phrase um, that we read because it says um, verse 19 to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. I like that phrase. And you know why I like it? Because here's what it says. So you know what you can't know. I mean, essentially, that's what Paul's saying. He's like, I want you to know what you can't know. Merry Christmas. Like, Paul had so many of these tense, like, don't look at the things you can see. Okay, Yoda, what do I look at? Look at the things you cannot see. Help you, I will. Teach you, I shall. When finished, I will. You Jedi, you will be. Um, <laughs> I don't know how Star Wars got in my Christmas message. Anyways, but the point is, I like this because Paul says, you need to know something you can't know. Like, think about like. Do you see what, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but let, let's just try it one more time, okay, just so we get it, and then I promise I'll explain it. He's like, here, here, here's what you need. You need to know something that you can't know. But I can't know it. I know, but you need to. But, but I can't. I know. No, you can't know it, but you need to know it. Because you need to know what you can't know. And what this tells me, because Paul had this phrase, it's like, well, then how do I know? How, how do I know? How do you know what you can't know? How, how do you know what you can't know? Well, you got to be strengthened in your inner man. And then we go all the way back to the first verse that I read, which was Paul said, he said this. I'll quote him so I get it right. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father. So here's what he's saying that I want you to understand. He's saying you can't know this naturally. You, you can't learn enough information to know what you need to know. You, you can't memorize enough scripture to know what you need to know. You can't go to enough services. You can't hear enough sermons. This was amazing. That when it comes genuinely to knowing God, it's supernatural, not natural. And my concern is, again, that a lot of people have never had this supernatural encounter, but they have settled with a natural knowing. And Paul's saying, a natural knowing doesn't lead you to being filled with the fullness of God. 
knowing about God. Think about the prophets in the Old Testament. Think about Israel in the Old Testament. Think about knowing the, 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 the ways of God and the decrees of God and the commands of God. None of them were actually filled with the fullness of God. They didn't even actually know God at all, although they had memorized five books of the Bible and, and knew all knew what they could knew knew what they could know <laughs> knew what they could knew they knew what they could know but they didn't know him and when Paul's talking about these like knowing him is and I think this is where I I sometimes struggle as a pastor is like I want you to know him and when I say that people are like well I'm going to read more scripture well read more scripture is good it's good well, I'm going to come to church, or I'm going to get in a life group, or I'm going to read a book. All good. But the danger is you could fill your head with more information and never actually get a revelation. Now, I'm all for information because I think you need to know about a person. I think you need to know about God. Like we need to study the word of God. So I'm not in any way excusing anyone from studying the word of God or learning about God or reading good books or reading the Bible through in a year or whatever you may be, whatever you may do. Not, not, not in any way excusing that. What I'm saying is the, the heart of God is that you would know what you can't know. And I love it this because he says that you would know the love of Christ and the reason I like that when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, you're going to be strengthened in your own inner man. Why? So you'd know the love of Christ. And I love it because most of the time when the Bible talks about knowing God, it talks about knowing his love. Essentially, I have to know his love to know him. But in knowing his love, love is not something you know, it's something you experience. You experience, everybody knows what it's like to be told by someone that they love you, but your experience says, no, you love yourself. That's what I'm learning. Like, like we have all been around people that have said, I love you, but you didn't experience any love from them. We've had people come to our lives and say, hey, I love you, and that's why I'm going to criticize you for the next 30 minutes. It comes out of this love. You don't love me. You're just upset about something. Are you with me? We've seen it on Instagram where people said, because I love God, I got to speak the truth in love. You're not speaking the truth in love. You're just getting on a soapbox because you got offended about something. That's not what love does. And so here's what he's saying. You got to know the love of Christ. And it reminded me of, of, of Romans 5 where it says, and the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. This, this is an encounter with knowing God that does not come through knowing information. It's the same thing Paul's talking about here, that we will be strengthened by the Holy Spirit in our inner man. Why is he going to strengthen our inner man? So we would know the breadth and the depth and the height of the love of Christ. Why? Because in knowing his love, we know him. And in knowing him, we can be filled with the fullness that he is. And so Paul said, for this reason, I bow my knee. Why? Because knowing God, it doesn't come from knowing information. What Paul, this is what Paul, so crazy. Paul's, Paul's telling them how to know, but he's not telling them what to know. 
In other words, he's not saying, here's what you need to know. He's saying, here's how you need to know. Not what you need to know, but how you need to know. And he said this, the way that you need to know, you can't know naturally. You have to know it supernaturally. And for this reason, I bow my knee and I pray that you would know. Because what you actually need is a knowing that doesn't come through information. It comes through encounter. It comes through revelation. And really, that's all I want to do for you today. I just want to pray. Not that you would know more about him, but that you would know him. Like for me, for this reason, I want to bow my knee and say, God, will, 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 you, will you help them know what they can't know? Holy Spirit, will you strengthen them so they can know what they can't know? Because this is the reason that you came. is because you wanted to be known. And we don't want to miss our opportunity to know you. So will you, will you stand with me and... Let's just bow our heads, and if you can quiet your mind. <laughs> Psalm 46 says, be still and know. And this is so funny because this season is really about knowing him, but sometimes this season is the hardest season to actually be still in. So would you just bow your heads, and um, I really just want to pray for you. That's all I felt instructed to do today by the Holy Spirit. But my expectation in this is that as I pray for you, you would be strengthened in your inner man to know what you can't know. And so I want you to put your expectation with my expectation that, that this prayer, this moment is not just a prayer at the end of a Christmas service so we can go do what's next by any stretch, but that this is a moment that God is inviting you into. This is an opportunity for, it's, it's like an opening of a door in a way. And I know there are people in this room that you probably know God better than I know God. You've served God longer and you know God. But I just say, you know what? Let me pray for you anyway. Maybe you could know something you, you haven't known. I know for me, I feel like a lot of times I feel like I know a lot about God. And I even feel like I know him pretty well, but still the pursuit of my heart, my desire is like, God, I just, I want to know you. I want to know you more. I want to know what I can't know. And so, Lord, for this reason, we, we bow our knee. And God, I pray over this group of people in the room and online. God, I pray that they would be strengthened. Holy Spirit, that you would flood them with your presence and peace, but that you would strengthen them on the inside. That you would strengthen them on the inside so that they could know what they can't know any other way. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would pour the love of God in their hearts.
like right now, God, like right now that, that all of them, like, like I remember Charles Finney made a statement in one of his books that he had an encounter with you that felt like liquid love just being poured on his soul. And, and God, really, I, I pray for something like that for, for this group. God, that right now in this moment, God, no matter what they may know about you, I pray every person, God, that's listening now would have an encounter, an experience where they would feel the love of God being poured on them, that they would be strengthened in their inner man so they could know, God, what we can't know any other way. God, that is, that's really my heart for them. That's my heart for me, God, that I would just know you. That every day I would know you more. Yes, God, I want to be filled with the fullness of God, but God, to me, that's just the, that's the payoff, that's the benefit, that's all well and good, but for me, the real, the real treasure, God, is that I can know you. That the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God, that you are visible, you are hearable, you are touchable, you are in this room and you're touching hearts in this room. And God, please, please don't let us confuse knowing about you with knowing you. Let us readjust our pursuit that we would desire God to know you. And that you, God, would respond by the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and help us to know by the Spirit in the inner man what we cannot know cerebrally, what we can't know naturally. God is supernatural. Thank you, God, that you came here and you put on flesh so that we didn't have to serve you at a distance. We didn't have to serve you in ignorance, God. But we get to serve you from the revelation of knowing Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'll slip up here. And um, if you need prayer, if you need a relationship with Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm not talking about, again, if you have a religion, but you know at this point whether you do or you don't, we'd love to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, encouragement, whatever, we would love to do that. Outside of that, listen, I wish you the merriest of Christmases. I hope you just have a tremendous week and such an amazing time celebrating the birth of Jesus. We love you so much. Merry Christmas. God bless you. We'll see you online next weekend. <laughs>